This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm here today with our town manager, Patrick Banger, and our multimedia analyst, digital guru, I like to call him, Derek Konofalski. And we just returned from three days in New York City with the Bloomberg Philanthropies What Works Cities Initiative, a great program, and Gilbert has just announced that we've been chosen as a What Works City. This program is helping cities across the country to use data and evidence to improve results for their residents. And I think it's really cool because it builds on the work that cities are already doing to take it even further. So this program has chosen 100 mid-sized American cities, and Gilbert is one of them. So let's talk about Patrick Derrick. We had a great time going to New York, and I think what was really interesting to me was that regardless of the size of the city, very large, you know, as big New York City, some of the larger cities, and some of the smaller cities, we're all kind of facing the same challenges. But really, the purpose of this program is to help cities use data to be connecting with their residents in new and better and innovative ways. So let's talk about what we learned and some of the things we took away from the sessions. Um, I thought it was a really, really great conference. Yeah, I thought it was great too. And I agree with your comment that the most enlightening thing to me was to find out the things that all these cities have in common and the problems that we're all facing, or not necessarily problems, but just the the challenges, the day-to-day things that we're facing, and then also the differences between some of these cities. I mean, we're the only town that was chosen to be a what works city. Um, so our perspective on this is, I think, really different from some of the other towns that we were seeing. But yet, there was so much that everybody had in common. And I think just the goal of the program in general, which is just to get cities to use data and evidence is something that everybody can kind of use and everybody can jump on. So um, I would say out of all the things that we learned, um, my biggest insight came from just being able to talk to other cities Mm -hmm. and other people, especially in our region, Mm -hmm. that um, have been going through the same types of problems. You know, we're, we're all very geographically kind of located close together. So to be able to talk to people from Tempe and Scottsdale um, and find out what types of data they were sharing and what were some of the challenges that they were going through, that was the most fascinating thing to me personally. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about you, Patrick. You probably had some special insight because you got to go to some secret sessions that we didn't go to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it was interesting as America's largest town at 247,000 yeah, residents yeah. and climbing. <laughs> um, it was interesting that many of the issues we're grappling with are, are similar or with as many cities that are, that are out there. Um, there's cities that are in a very similar places to your own community, regardless of what your issues are, size, climate, anything, any of the issues that that we deal with or create problems for us. And so it was great dialogue with a lot of mayors and a lot of managers from across the country and and things that are similar issues to us and what they're doing to be proactive and and trying to use data to come up with better solutions and and better understandings of the problem uh, as they deal with these issues. That was uh, really time well spent. I really enjoyed um, meeting with a lot of those individuals and and talking through the issues. Yeah, I really like just the concept in general of what work cities and Dana and I have talked about this on, on a couple occasions previous, but I like the the premise of taking 
a problem or a challenge or even something that's going really well for you. And instead of just going off of like a gut feeling that you have that things are going well or that you could improve on things or anything like that is, and I'm surprised that not that there, there's not more people or more cities or organizations doing this, but you take data, hard data and not just data, but evidence. And you kind of look at the story that the data and the evidence tells and use that to just be informed about whatever it is you're looking at and whatever types of things you're working on. I see way too many things, especially online, of people that will cite a data source without the context of you know any additional evidence that surrounds it. And then they make these grand claims about how a government is doing this or a government is doing this. Um, there was even just a, a video that came out recently about the Wall Street Journal doctoring evidence or something because somebody looked at two YouTube videos and saw some similarities or whatever. And um, I just, I really like the concept of using data and evidence together to look at what you're doing well, what you could improve on, and then, you know, taking that as a, as a holistic picture of your organization. So, um, well, and I think it's really cool that someone like M Michael Bloomberg, obviously former mayor of New York City, is has now created this, you know, philanthropies program where he's really going to help um, cities across the country to implement, because I think, like you said, we're all collecting data, we all have it, but then we don't know how to make it useful or to tell our story or to connect the dots. We talk a lot about um, making the correlations, whether it's between two departments or two different functions in your city, but connecting those pieces to be sure that you're coordinating services around them or whatever that may be. So Michael Bloomberg has basically taken the opportunity to help give cities the tools they need. So for us, that means creating an open data policy, mm -hmm. which is really where this starts, um, and then ultimately creating our portal where we can be placing data, keeping it up to date, and then inviting our residents or whoever wants to in our community to use that data. So they're really helping us give the tools, and I think a lot of cities probably don't have the resources or the staff dedicated to this type of thing. So, you know, Bloomberg Philanthropies is making a commitment up to 100 cities across the country to do just that. And I just think that in itself is really, you know, deserves some recognition. You know, and one of the, the things from the conference, and we've talked a lot about it a lot here in Gilbert, so it's not necessarily new to us, but you really get your eyes open to the just the sheer amount of data that we collect with uh, the, the service that we deliver and the work that we do and how we've used so little of it actually to analyze it and, and look for trends, looks for causations between different data sets um, to, to uh, have a better um, look into the future of, of what we can expect or finding solutions to it. Um, it's, it's truly staggering. We've used data in a lot of different ways budgeting process being probably one of the easiest to understand when you look at past revenue and expenditure history to try to give you a better handle on what you can anticipate in the upcoming year. We've been doing that for decades in, in government, if not much, much longer. But there is so much data out there that we have not used and, and have not mined to look for uh, answers or look for data points to get away to your Point, Derek, around, you know, that gut hunch to actually get away from a hunch to an actual factual black and white um, answer or, or index um, based on the facts and based on that data you collect. And then, Danny, you mentioned the open data portal, and, and that really, um, I'll use a term, 
crowdsourcing and you think about the crowdsourced natures of solutions right now that are occurring because of access to the, you know, the worldwide community and by taking our data sets and making them available through an open data portal, we're going to be crowdsourced, helping to crowdsource solutions from our own community or, or anybody who would choose to want to mine those data sets for us and look for patterns and, and look for issues. Yeah, and I think too we'll we'll definitely be talking more about open data in general. Um, but I, I do want to point out you you mentioned something that was you know the budgeting process. We kind of looked at that, and it was easy to look at the data, and that was um, something that I see all the time. It's it's kind of that low hanging fruit, and I think that is what the biggest draw for me about what Work Cities was, and you know. Open data as a concept is not new. Um, our GIS teams, um, our, our GIS is uh, mapping. Our, our you know IT team has been using maps and stuff to to share data all throughout you know probably the last 20, 25 years, um, you know just all throughout the U.S. But when it, the real information, that real change the real impact comes from when you look at data sets that maybe you didn't consider um, could relate to each other or could help you make a correlation, um, you know, or, or could lead to a cause. And again, I'm, I know we're going to talk more about just open data in general, but that's the thing that I really, I think, got the most from What Work Cities is the fact that they, we're, you're working in what works cities with organizations like GovX and uh, the Sunlight Foundation and Johns Hopkins University, um, people that have done this, especially now, you know, specifically through what works cities, um, you know, we're number 77. So they've done this 76 other times or are in the process of doing it 76 other times. They kind of um, know what to look for while at the same time, they're very, very aware that you can't get pigeonholed into, you know, trying to find things, trying to find specific things. Like their, their entire goal is kind of, you know, help get the data out there, help get the evidence out there, and then try to see what you can find. Don't collect the data with a, you know, a goal in mind Mind. or with like a bias in mind. A problem to solve Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You don't, you don't want to go into it saying, we need to find the data that supports this or we need to it's it's look at it all holistically and take these best practices from all these organizations and then what does that data tell you and that's where your decisions should be based that's where your your progress should be made that's the direction you should be heading and i just i find it fascinating like every single person that is affiliated with what work cities that i got to talk to just blew my mind on at least some level, regardless of if they were somebody that was already in the program. One of our cohorts, um, we're in a a small group with a couple other cities that just got, uh, I guess, inducted would be the word, but um, that just got brought in onto What Works Cities. And I just, I found something that I could learn from every single person that I talked to Mm -hmm. at the conference. So. I thought it was interesting. So other cities in our cohort are Miami, Orlando, Washington, D.C., and Minneapolis. We were talking to um, someone from Orlando who mm-hmm. works in the innovation innovation space, and it was funny because he said, oh, yeah, your city is the same size as ours. 
And I never realized that Gilbert was the same size as Orlando. And so that was really interesting and gave perspective. And he was talking about, you know, a lot that they're doing. And we, we got into a conversation about printing costs because mm-hmm. I always get on this, you know, my soapbox about why, why would anyone spend so much money to print anything um, in today's, you know, day and age when digital is pennies to the dollar. And you can save. Again, this is cost effective. We're making lives easier. We're making interactions with residents easier. Um, this is not an extra thing that cities have to be doing again as you said Derek these are systems that probably already exist like you said we're collecting this data but figuring out how to make it useful is the key and for some reason governments have a very difficult time doing this and so a program like what work cities helps to give cities the tools that they need to do exactly that so I thought that was another really interesting you know takeaway that I learned was um, a lot of cities still are struggling with some of the basic problems. So in many cases, it's, well, how do you ask us to incorporate new technology or to be, you know, so forward thinking when it comes to data and transparency and technology when we can't even do the basics of X, Y, or Z. Um, But again, we always say these are tools that are going to make your lives and jobs easier. Yeah. And the organizations too, um, Sunlight Foundation is one of the people that we're going to be working with specifically here in Gilbert from What Work Cities. And they handle things like open data policy and to me, I just I find it fascinating listening to stories from a bunch of these other towns or cities um, that it almost seems like a lot of these people are trying to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to people from Sunlight or I talk to people from GovX and Johns Hopkins, um, one of the things that they say all the time is that while everything may not be exactly the same in every single city. The basics of it, like the basic solution is similar enough to where you don't have to reinvent the wheel and all these best practices kind of come together. Um, So my point was going to be with Sunlight Foundation, you know, we're looking at setting up an open data policy and it's something that we don't have. We don't have a data policy in Gilbert. We really just rely on Arizona state law. And even Arizona state law hasn't been updated in forever. Um, but it was fascinating talking with somebody from Sunlight Foundation and then somebody from uh, one of our neighboring cities here in Arizona about conflicts in the laws that are in place in Arizona mm-hmm. and what we're going to have to think about when um, you know we go in and draft our open data policy. And it was just fascinating to me because I don't think, you know, had we been doing this on our own, that we would even have thought of it. And I know we wouldn't have thought of it because these other cities in Arizona weren't even aware that, you know, that this was an issue there, that there was going to be any kind of contention there. So just knowing that you have these groups that have done this before in the past and, and, you know, are here to help you and kind of like use the the things that they've already learned from previous cities, um, I just think that the more we share this kind of information, you know, when when we learn our things, then the next What Works City is going to come in and they can learn from us. Even though, you know, yeah, we might be the same size, we might be different size, we might have similar problems, we might have different problems, but the questions that we ask and the, the issues that we run into are going to be the same from town to town. Um, I think, too, it's fascinating. Uh, I talked to a couple, you know, mayors and and council members and stuff. um, And I'm always curious, Patrick, about your perspective on, um, you know, hearing from somebody like Orlando saying that we're similar size, but then hearing that we have very, very different goals or opportunities between cities. Um, What do you think, as far as what work cities goes, 
how that can influence what we're doing versus what you know what they're doing somewhere in like Orlando. Sure, you know every city there are are many multiple levels and layers of the dynamics within your community and population being one size of your business community, uh, types of businesses in your community, um, transportation infrastructure, um, whether it be you know your basic road network going to light rail, commuter rail, uh, rapid transit bus systems. We um, look similar in many ways, and then we have a lot of differences which drive a lot of our service demand and drive a lot of our needs. But some of the um, beauty of this is also going to be some best practices learned for those areas in which we're very similar. So if you look at what we're trying to do in Gilbert and understand the various aspects of our community and where we're going to drive value from, and if you look at our tax structure and our reliance, like many uh, American cities, the bulk of our revenues are derived through commercial activity, whether it be property taxes, sales taxes, but things that are centered around our businesses. And so as such, and understanding that it's in our best interest to make sure we have a, a sustainable and, and viable business community, not only today, but into the future, what are those things that we need to do to make sure we set ourselves up for that success? And one of those is in the public infrastructure. And so an effort that we are looking at and have kind of started down that path, as you know, is using our, our GIS system or our, our geographical information system and taking data sets and, and putting that into the system and overlaying that within our business districts to understand what does our, our road pavement condition look like in those areas? What are our traffic counts in those areas? And again, these are all separate data sets, but when you begin overlaying it what are the business revenues or, or the revenues drive by the town in those areas and so when we start to understand and we can clearly see through the data the direct connection between the quality of the infrastructure and the, the viability or the sustainability of, of the revenues coming from those underlying businesses we can then start making some decisions about maybe setting minimum standards for um, the condition of our roads and and out of a 100 point scale if if understanding that the quality of the roads is critical to a business district in which a lot of retail revenue is generated, then we may want to maintain those roads at a 90 um, uh, pavement ma management index. And in other areas, maybe maintain them to an 80 where it's not as important that they be in uh, excellent shape and condition at all times. But, but those kinds of practices and those kinds of endeavors that cities will undertake um, we can learn from one another, and some of it is going to be uh, readily uh, applicable to us, and we can emulate what they've done, and others, we're going to have to adjust those. But again, everybody beginning to use the data that we all deal with as, as part of American cities and, and the services we deliver, um, we're going to be able to, to really harness some, some great power and some great opportunity, and that's where having those relationships um, with those communities, with those mayors, with those managers at that staff level and sharing that knowledge is going to be so important for us. I have a kind of an interesting question, I guess, because you seem, I mean, you obviously have to be being a town manager, but you're, you seem very well versed in all the, the lingo and all the stuff that the What Works Cities people were, were talking about. And, and even what you just said now is, I think, very insightful um, and has a lot of foresight in terms of like how you can use data and evidence to improve or, or, or make your city more efficient. Why do you think 
just based on that, that we were even chosen to be a what works city. And, and I think just from the perspective of, you know, there, when, when we went, there are 77 cities that have been chosen and their goal is to hit a hundred. So obviously not every city in the United States is going to be chosen for, for your use in this program. Um, I have to see the benefit to us for being a what works city and kind of taking the things that we're kind of already doing, but just, you know, formalizing them and, and, and again, using those best practices and, and kind of putting everything together in a nice bundle. But why do you think we were chosen to be a what works city? What do you think um, is the benefit for something like an organization like this or a, a group like this in terms of bringing Gilbert onto the team? I think there's several, um, decision points that that asked them or, or uh, had them ask us to be a part of this process. One of those, I think, is, is our sheer size and our population. And if they're going to limit it to 100 cities to begin with, uh, being one of the 100 largest cities in America, uh, what work cities is pro- probably trying to reach as many Americans living in American cities as mm-hmm. possible. And so that's, you know, one way to do that. Two, we probably are going to have more resources than some of the smaller cities, a higher level of sophistication and already utilizing geographic information systems and, and other tools um, through the daily delivery of our services. And so we'd be able to get up to speed quicker um, and realize um, more uh, benefit faster than a smaller city that that may not even be using GIS systems right now would be able to, but um, to get to touch as many people as quickly as possible to to really begin this this initiative of utilizing data to make better decisions and better create better outcomes for government, which rolls directly into the quality of life. For the citizens, um, I think Gilbert also offers a unique perspective. As we saw, some of the issues we deal with are much different than other major Mm -hmm. American cities. And I think there's also value for a community like Gilbert, which is relatively young and new, but albeit very large. There's an opportunity to maybe do some things differently at this point in our city's development so that we don't end up in the same place that some cities are with deferred maintenance issues around infrastructure and the correlating problems that come with that. So I think there was population, sophistication, um, that we are somewhat different than, than the other cities in the program right now uh, provides, again, um, a, a better rounded approach to this uh, issue uh, for what works cities and, and hence why they invited us to be a part of it. Yeah, and I think it was really a full circle moment. You were able to meet with uh, Michael Bloomberg. The mayors and the managers got a special meeting with him, and you told him a little bit about the work we're doing here. And really that started with you watching what he was doing in New York um, along the lines of digital government and creating a digital roadmap. And so you were able to meet him and tell him that our office and this position, my title is chief digital officer, and my department is a digital communications department, I believe one of if not the only in the country. And so that was really cool because you were able to have a conversation with him and tell him and it's kind of come full circle. And and I really, if you haven't seen our digital roadmap and you're listening, I would recommend you going to gilbertaz.gov backslash digital roadmap and take a look at it and some of the stuff we're doing because a lot of the things we're doing here were modeled after New York. And so just because you're not a city of 6 million plus doesn't mean that there's not opportunities to get involved with digital initiatives. And even if you don't qualify for what works cities, there are opportunities for you to be, um, you know, engaging with your residents through the use of data and evidence. So tell me a little bit about what that was like for you to talk to him and and tell him, you know, what we're doing here in Gilbert. 
Yeah. So Dana, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, what work cities had not even been created at that point. I'm not sure if this is something that he had been thinking through for quite some time as mayor of New York, but it was watching what he was doing with his, his digital government office and his chief digital officer. And I just thought that at that time, and that was back in 2011, that they really understood digital government and communications and that entire ecosphere better than any other government I'd seen in this country. And I was fascinated by some of the things they were doing and some of the benefits residents and business owners in New York City were seeing as a result of this effort. And when I came to Gilbert, I had the wonderful opportunity of really starting from scratch with that office and was able to talk through with the mayor and council um, about the value that it would bring to our community, and, and they got on board with it. And so uh, last week at the conference, coming full circle with Mayor Bloomberg. It was um, it was a uh, it was a really a nice moment to get to talk to him. He was very pleased by what we'd done. He was very pleased to know that what they had done in New York City actually had an impact outside of of the city limits of New York City, and that someone uh, was embracing uh, that style of government as well. And really enjoyed the conversation. He was thrilled to hear about what you're doing and the success we're enjoying. And you know that gets to the point we've talked about imitation being the best form of flattery. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and if we didn't want people to know what we were doing, we'd keep it a secret. I think the goal is that hopefully everybody imitates the best practices that all of us exhibit, because um, that's the whole point with sharing the knowledge, sharing the information. And what works city, I think, is, is just the start of, you know, a digital revolution in government and utilization of data. And so far beyond everything we're going to learn from being a part of this program, it's only 100 cities that get to be a part of it over, out of over 19,000. So our job is in every way we possibly can to share that knowledge and lessons learned with cities that aren't going to get to be a part of what works cities formally. And that's why we're doing this podcast. I mean, really, truthfully, that's what brought us that idea was, you know, we were getting a lot of questions from other cities who were wondering how to either embrace video or technology or social media and, um, you know, thinking that that might be really expensive and very daunting. And, and so one of the best ways that I thought other than, you know, it used to be you would write a book, you know, I've talked about this before that you would write a book and tell others how to do it. And now it's, you know, you, you start a podcast. And so that's one of the reasons. So if you are out there and even if you think that what work cities might not be something you could be a part of, there are still plenty of ways that you can make, I always say, start small with those little, those small wins that you can get, um, in figuring out or go look for opportunities because partnerships are a huge part of figuring out how to be successful on low budgets in government. Like I said, what work cities is giving us these tools for free and and that's one thing we haven't mentioned, but I think it's really important. We didn't pay to participate. We're not paying for their services. This is, again, a philanthropy service that they're providing to cities to give them the tools because oftentimes we don't have those resources to go out and, and the big budgets to pay for um, the help that we need to be able to create open data portals and policies. Yeah, and that's a great point, too, because we bring that up a lot with some of the other stuff we talk about when we talk about like video and some of the innovative things that we do um, in terms of communications. But Every single tool that What Works Cities uses or, um, is available in some kind of free open source version. So um, there's a lot of cities that are doing the What Works Cities program using tools that they are already using or already paying for. And those that aren't, there are online free and low cost solutions to do all of this stuff. So again, I mean, even just the name 
I think is great. What works cities, you know, you're, you're looking at the cities that have kind of figured out what works and it's not just, they're saying, Oh yeah, this works because that's how we're doing it. It's here's the data and evidence and everything to back it up. And then, um, you know, Bloomberg philanthropies comes in and says, okay, let's codify all this, put it together, but make sure that it's available to everybody, not just the people that we pick, you know? Yeah. We're getting some great help from them, um, both in creating that policy, but go to sunlight foundation's website, do a Google search for it. Um, Sunlight Foundation has tons of policy framework information, and you can view uh, any uh, open data policy in the U.S. They have a nice little map, so you can even look regionally for other open data policies that have been created so that you can look and see what they've done. They have listings of all the different tools that, again, I said are free and open source that you can download. Um, you know, Your IT department can set it up on a server right within there, and you can have an open data portal up and running in less than a year. You know, you just got to make sure you feed that time. But it's definitely not a matter of, um, at least in this case, the uh, like Patrick said, the knowledge being siloed in one place. This is an organization or a group of organizations that want to get this information out there. And what better way to do that than to do it digitally? You know, all the data is going to be digital. All the evidence is digital. And the more people we share it with, the more efficient, the country gets, the, the cities get, um, and just, I think that was a great point too that Patrick made about just the sheer number of people that can be reached because ultimately government is in service of people and you're right. The more people we can reach, the better. Like I, I don't see, um, I don't see what better way to do that than to provide the knowledge and the information for free to as many people as possible. Absolutely. And I think there's more to talk about on this topic. So I'm going to suggest that we have our next podcast episode also dedicated to a similar topic about other ways, talk about some other examples um, that we're doing here in Gilbert specifically to help us to become a data-driven city. So um, if you like this topic, you'll definitely want to tune in next time as well. And thank you so much for listening. Be sure to engage with us on social media. If you have questions or comments, use the hashtag GovGoneDigital. Also, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think about this podcast. And we'll see you soon from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital. Mm-hmm.